All right, it's been a while, but it's great to be back. Another episode of the Stampede Podcast. Uh, Tito Bonach and Dakota Wilson. And we are doing this in preparation for both USF's bowl game coming up this week, as well as the early signing period, which we will be touching on both topics in this podcast. So uh, we'll start off with the bowl prep, obviously, because uh, I think that's a big deal. And then we'll go ahead and jump right in full into recruiting after that. But uh, USF matched up with Texas Tech in the Birmingham Bowl. USF making their second appearance in the Birmingham Bowl against uh, this time a Big 12 opponent as compared to last year. I think it was the SEC opponent in South Carolina. Uh, Texas Tech coming into the season six and six. Uh, they are I don't want to say the I don't want to say the bottom feeders of the Big Twelve, but they're definitely not one of the major premier schools this year in that conference. They a lot of people were kind of uh, surprised that this was Cliff Kingsbury wasn't fired, and they're now putting him on the hot seat to possibly be fired next season. Uh, Despite all that, Dakota, I I kind of think that this is a matchup for USF where it, it kind of it's gonna it's gonna test USF on both sides of the ball again. Yeah, I'd agree. And uh, like we were discussing earlier, uh, Texas Tech with that air raid system, uh, they they have a pretty lethal and potent offense that uh, could potentially take advantage of the Bulls' defense. So that'll be an interesting matchup to keep an eye on. Yeah. So Texas Tech twenty six in scoring offense. Uh, 96 in the rushing offense, and that's part of the reason is because their offense is heavily reliant among links uh, with against the pass. They they are 11th in the passing offense, and their quarterback, their senior quarterback. When the interesting thing that I've mentioned to Dakota is that uh, Texas Tech rotated three QBs this year, although one only got two snaps, I believe. But uh, they rotated three, uh, two QBs this year, including a freshman. But their senior quarterback, who is without question probably going to be the starter this year. Uh, is Nick Shimonic, senior quarterback. He's thrown for 30 touchdowns to eight interceptions, and he's thrown for over 3,500 yards with a 68% completion rating. Uh, he's a he's a gunslinger, put, pretty plain and simple. And, you know, how he goes is how this Texas Tech offense goes. And it's going to be interesting to kind of see how, you know, with a month of preparation, how Coach Charlie Strong and this defense is going to really kind of attack this offense and see how well they can do in making the pocket uncomfortable for a guy like Nick Shimonic. I mean, uh, it's without question USF. What I think was they were second in the in, in the country in interceptions, and then I, I can't remember where they were in the country for sacks, Dakota. But I feel like this is a, a big game where you can USF can kind of uh, pin its ears back and see how really good that defense actually is. Yeah, the key to this game will be getting pressure on the quarterback. Like you said, we've been uh, pretty good at getting interceptions this year. Uh, I know Texas Tech is going to want to spread the ball out in their system, and they're going to want to do a lot of uh, uh, like kind of ding and dunk passes and then go for some long balls. Um, so it'll, it'll, it, it all comes down to what, how, what kind of pressure we'll get on the quarterback. Because I'm not sure. I haven't, uh, I haven't looked recently, but I know that Texas Tech isn't really known as a running team. Um, so it'll, it'll pretty much come down to the passing game. Yeah, and I mean, I, I'll take uh, I'll take my chances and say that I think USF does a good job of shutting down the run game. Uh, God forbid any you know change of scheme from Texas Tech because obviously they're going to want to make an emphasis on moving the ball through the air. But uh, Texas Tech ranks seventy second in the country in sacks allowed. They're allowing just above over two sacks a game. Uh, for for USF, they rank twenty second in the country in sacks. So I, I think for USF, something that's going to be interesting as well is finding ways to dial up pressure that 
will, I guess, uh, conflict or confuse this quarterback for Texas Tech because obviously you're going to have your front four guys trying to create pressure, but uh, you know if if he decides to blitz a Devin Abraham, a Mazzy Wilkins, um, maybe uh, blitz a guy like Jamon Thomas, you know Charlie Strong can mix up that defense. And you know Brian John Maria, credit to them, this defense has made like a total turnaround and been one of the biggest bright spots throughout the year for USF. But uh, this is going to be an interesting game offensively. I mean Texas Tech is one of the worst defenses in the country. They're 94th in scoring defense, uh, fifth worst passing defense in the country. And they're also 118th in opponent first downs. So like it, it's, it goes without saying that Texas tech gives up a lot of points and yards. Uh, I mean, Dakota made the point that it's a big 12 defense, which we come to expect is pretty freaking bad. Uh, but I mean, this is going to be another interesting test for, for this USF offense, because in that last game against UCF, we kind of saw glimpses of an offense that, you know, had possibly turned the corner. I don't want to say that they did because, you know, Quentin Flowers having an incredible performance shouldn't be considered anything that is really, you know, eye opening. I mean, we, we know the type of quarterback Quentin Flowers is. And considering that this is the last, his last game uh, wearing USF colors, you figure a guy like Sterling Gilbert will kind of let, uh, let the chains off of him. Yeah, like you said, um, the offense is kind of, it, that UCF game. It, it it was an incredible performance by Quentin Flowers. Uh, the offense did look better. Um, it was a shootout with the Knights, but we also saw, I believe, it was the game. Dang, I want to say two or three games ago. I want to say it was against. I can't remember the opponent, but it, it the um the offense looked way better than we thought. Hey, maybe they're turning corner this week and then they go into I believe the Tulsa game and then kind of didn't lay an egg but uh didn't perform up to par so uh you got to think that Gilbert like you said will let the chains off of flowers and just let him do his thing yeah especially considering that it's his last game so uh I'm eager to see how this team comes out against Texas Tech I mean it's a big time opponent obviously I think the bowl game is it's a little disappointing just because we thought USF would be going to a different location this year uh, from what I understood, uh, it, uh, a big part of it was kind of finding the opponent that they wanted to play. And for whatever reason, I guess maybe a lot of schools just didn't want to play USF or, you know, USF couldn't really go to certain bowl games because of certain agreements or whatnot. But um, re- regardless of the circumstance, this is an opportunity for USF to kind of finish with double digit wins and back to back seasons. Uh, you beat two power five opponents to end the year in two back to back seasons under two different coaching staffs. It's it's a big statement. I, I think it's a big time game. You have to get up for it, uh, and it and it all the momentum pushes into next year as well. So I I think uh, obviously it, it's an important thing for them to kind of come out and get off to a fast start. Um, that's one of my biggest points for this game. I, I feel like you cannot get off to a slow start against Texas Tech because they can turn a seven point lead into a twenty one point lead if your offense isn't clicking. So. I feel like this is a game where the offense really needs to set the tone early. Yeah, you got to agree with that. Um, the offense can't be slacking off. We can't uh, get in the can't get into one of those slow starts that was uh, plaguing us for much of the season. You got to kind of get on the saddle and just go for it early. Yeah, so uh, should be an interesting matchup. I feel like. If you look at it from just the the just the perspective of one team against one another, this should be a shootout. Uh, although it, it'll be interesting to see how both defenses kind of come out and try to 
uh, temper that the other offense. So, um, kind of moving now into, I guess, the biggest, the bigger topic for this week, which is early signing day tomorrow. Uh, USF already got some guys who seem to be signing early now. Dakota, can you just list those guys who who's signing early for USF? So yeah, for early signees for the Bulls, um, so far the kids that have said they are going to sign early were Chris Carter, tight end at South Dade High School, who's been, I think he was the first commit in this class. So um, that's good that he uh, stuck with them through the whole process. And then Antonio Greer, the linebacker out of Mays High School in Georgia. Dwayne Boyles, Sebastian Santerling, Jajuan Cherry, Brian Norris, Zion Rowland, Jordan McLeod, and... Uh, that's it for the commits for the moment. But um, then we have uh, some of the top targets for us that are that are supposed to sign also. Include Michael Penix, Deshaun uh, Jones, which recently just got knocked out of the we got knocked out of his top schools, and then Kendrick Terrain from Jesuit. Well, okay, so that's interesting. Uh, so for just going off the early signees, SF already has in the fold. That's a really impressive. Hall, to be quite honest. I mean, first and foremost, I, I personally going into this year didn't think USF was going to get as many, if any, uh, early signees just because I thought with just the skepticalness of the how the early signing day was going to work, just the fact that, you know, it, it always seems like some of these Power 5 schools come in late after the season's over and throw an offer. Some of the guys they're getting to early sign are big time. I mean, Dwayne Boyles is huge, and I, and I believe, Dakota, you told me he's enrolling early as well, correct? Yeah, he said him and Brian Norris both said that they're uh, planning on signing and enrolling early, so they'll be on campus in early January. That's huge because Dwayne Boyles, like I've said for a while, is a, is a big, big-time player. I think he's a guy that if he early enrollees, he can come in and, and kind of figure things out a lot earlier than what he would had he come in the summer and whatnot. He can get into spring ball, which is huge because he gets to work with Damon Cogdell a lot earlier. So I think he's a big-time get. I think Brian Norris is also a big-time get just because uh, he gives you a little bit more running back depth as well as the fact that he's a guy with a lot of big size and kind of the kind of the mold of the running back that Charlie Strong has been looking for. So I think it's interesting that they kind of get him uh, into the class and get him into the program early. Uh, Zion Rowland is another huge addition to, to get him to sign early. Uh, I, I, I kind of figured that a guy like John Waller wouldn't be signing early because he's going to have some options down down later in the process. But getting Zion Rowland to sign early is big. Uh, I think he's another kid that uh, committed, stayed committed as well, and uh, he'll be a he'll be a good receiver for USF in the next coming years. And and outside of that, I think Sebastian Saint-Terling is another great offensive line depth addition. He's a guy that I could see playing either guard or center. Uh, I ultimately see him as a center just because I think. Uh, he kind of plugs up that middle pretty well. Uh, but outside of that, Dakota, I, I think these are some. this is a pretty good haul for USF so that they can kind of focus on the, the rest of the class. Yeah, I agree. And also another guy who, um, who I think is pretty, uh, pretty good just depth-wise for signing is Antonio Greer because, as you know, with uh, the departure of Danny Thomas, Augie Sanchez is graduating. Uh, we don't have a ton of depth at the linebacker position, and he originally told me that he had visits planned to UCF and Nebraska as well. So I think getting him in early and getting him to close down everything and sign early is a pretty big deal as well. Absolutely, and and like you mentioned, the linebacker depth is a huge part. Uh, he's a guy that I, I I think USF can turn into a really good linebacker prospect. So I'm excited to see what they can do with him, especially 
getting him to sign early. Uh, but I, I know there are some targets moving forward that we'll be signing tomorrow. Uh, from So we'll, we'll jump into the Michael Penix one right away because obviously I think that's what everybody wants to know. And Dakota, from what you've gathered thus far, it seems like Indiana has kind of taken the step forward for right now. Uh, Florida State, for whatever reason, I think they're focusing on Emory Jones. And it, it doesn't, for Penix, it wouldn't make sense to kind of commit there to see if they're still focusing on Emory Jones because that'd make two quarterbacks in the class. Uh, for, and then for Indiana and USF, it, it, it seems, it seems like it's going to come down to the, the last minute possibly. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, like you said, FSU, they, I've heard that even if Penix signed, like, yeah, they were going to go after another quarterback in, in February also. And it, I don't on I don't necessarily think it's a top priority for FSU because they're such a national brand to get one of these guys uh, to sign on the early signing period, because I think they're going to be in the game for a lot of other talented quarterbacks later in the cycle. And they have Francois returning, they have black men. So um, I don't know how big of a priority Penix is for them really. And I think, Penix also uh, senses that as well. Great point. Yeah, and I, I think you nailed it right there on the head. That I mean, obviously Willie offered Penix at three different spots, but the reality is, like you said, you know, Florida State is such a brand, and you know, I think they're still in play with a guy like Emory Jones, still in play with I think uh, the Louisiana quarterback Ramon Foster. Uh, so they can. Florida State is a school that can wait for a quarterback, and in the circumstance that they don't get one, anyways, they still have two quality guys on campus who can come in and play. Uh, so I, I think USF feels good where they are. I, I don't know if I'm willing to to make a bet that he ends up at USF because I, from what you've told and what it sounds like, it seems like Indiana kind of has made a strong push here. But USF is in the game. I mean, this is what we talked about all year, ironically. And now they're in the game, and it's just a matter of as, as if they can close. Uh I think something to keep in mind here is that obviously USF does have two other QBs in the class, Octavius Battle and Jordan McLeod. Uh, if if one if Penix were to come, I I don't know if I'd be willing to say all three end up signing with USF. Uh, I'd be willing to wager that maybe one you know f- f- uh, like cho- go chooses to go elsewhere. But uh, it, it's it's been noted from the very beginning that USF wanted Penix regardless of the circumstances. Yeah, and like uh, like Josh always says, and like you would say, also the numbers tend to work themselves out. And uh, they were gonna they were gonna let Penix in if he wanted to sign here. They're gonna let him in regardless. They'll find a spot for him because he's just that talented of a player. Yeah, and, and he's a local kid as well. So I mean, they've established a relationship. They've been there for a while. Uh, now I, I guess. You know, USF no longer in the game for Deshaun Jones, which, to be quite honest, was not a surprise. Uh, never really showed any intention of making an official visit. But the interesting factor here is Kendrick Terrain. Now, USF, when he decommitted from UCLA, it seemed like USF was the most logical landing spot. But I, I don't know if maybe you can tell me, Dakota, has he taken an official visit to USF? Because I don't, I don't think he has, or has he? No, he hasn't. Uh, at least he hasn't been on the visitors list, and I haven't been notified that he's taken one. But I, if for right now, my feeling is I think that uh, I think that Terrain ends up at USF, and that's that's a great addition for another local kid. And I also 
Um, if I had to bet money, I would guess that Donovan Jennings, the uh, offensive lineman out of Gaither High School, uh, also commits to USF eventually because um, of the Bulls losing out on Kenneth Horsey. Yeah, I, Jennings was a guy that USF had kept their tabs on for a while. Uh, I don't think they were pushing for a commitment in the summer just because I think they were uh, – I guess they, they, in their mind at that point, were kind of settled on having Adonis Boone over him. But then obviously Adonis Boone chose to go elsewhere. And for, for Hor- – Jennings is, is a is a big-time prospect, great size. I think he's 6'6 six, six or 6'5 six, offensive tackle. Can probably cut down on his weight a little bit so he can get a little bit more agile. But he's a guy that can be kind of a – a foundational piece on that offensive line for a couple years if he gets into the right system and and works on his technique and whatnot. But he's a big time pickup, like you said, and like like you feel. I think I feel if I'm USF, I'm feeling pretty confident on Donovan Jennings, considering that uh, I don't think he has any other official visits remaining. So uh, I think USF should feel good about where they are with Donovan Jennings. Uh, one name that I think is on the board right now and. Uh, it looks like tomorrow we're going to find out an answer for is Johnny Ford out of Miami High. Now, Ford is a guy that wasn't really a major target throughout the process. I think USF kind of kept his name under the wraps for a while. But we do know he took an official visit to Dakota this past weekend. Yeah, he did. And I uh, I spoke with Johnny, and he seemed to really enjoy the visit. He, um, I asked him what he'd rate on a scale of one to ten, and he said, uh, he said he rated a ten. So take that for whatever you may. And, um, but he also told me that there was no leaders in re- his recruitment. So, uh, we'll, yeah, like you said, we'll see how his decision cut plays out tomorrow. Um, but I think that uh, if USF really wants Ford, I think that they'll have him in his cl- in their class. Right. Yeah. And and I know that there's probably if you look at his profile, there's people concerned about. Uh, you know his size and and is this another Chauncey Smart type of player? And and here's where I think the two prospects are very different. Uh, Chauncey Smart was a was a track athlete trying to play football. Nobody really made a move for Chauncey Smart to be honest in the football aspect. I think for also for USF they kind of they kind of had a leftover scholarship last uh, signing day from when AJ Davis chose to go to Pitt. So they figured, you know, let's take a shot on a guy like Chauncey Smart who can play track, has some football expert uh, experience and can maybe contribute. But from I think from once they figured out that he really wasn't ever going to be a real player for football-wise at USF, uh, they both kind of chose to part their ways. Smart ended up transferring to the University of Miami uh, to play track. But for Johnny Ford, I think he's more of a football player in the sense that he's played the game for a while. He knows certain positions. He can be used in the running back or as a slot. Uh, he's got pretty good, pretty good speed as well. So I, I think they're different in the sense that Ford is an actual football player, not just a track athlete trying to play football. Yeah, I agree with you, Tito. Um, when they took Chauncey Smart, I was kind of uh, I wasn't scratching my head at that one because they just gave him a preferred walk-on spot. But um, I I always was curious to see how that was going to work out because I always thought. Um, that he was more dedicated to his track career than football. So, and I, yeah, I just didn't know how football is going to work out for him. Right, right. So I, I would keep the tabs on him uh, for tomorrow as well. I think he's a guy that could end up going USF's way, and uh, he'd be an, an interesting add to the class because he brings a certain level of explosiveness. Uh, I mean, if you look at his highlights, he's got some pretty incredible highlights on there uh, from playing in Dade County. 
Uh, outside of that, Dakota, for, for recruiting-wise now, I mean, obviously it's early signing day is tomorrow, but are there any other prospects uh, that USF will continue to work on from this point on for the real signing day, the February signing day? Um, to my knowledge, they will keep working on Jalen Williams out of St. Pete. I know that much. Um, after, I feel like we'll have a better idea after this early signing day uh, is over and we see if USF ends up landing some of their uh, top targets like Penix and such, and we'll get a better idea a couple days after that. Right, because obviously, you know, where Penix goes will decide if there's a scholarship open or not. Uh, also, I think, you know, where Ford lands, where Terrain lands, these are some pretty big scholarship spots that are going to be open. So it'll be interesting to see uh, who goes where. But for early signing day, I mean, this is going to be somewhat of an exciting one for USF. I didn't think they'd be in play for this many prospects, but it seems like, it, you know, USF could get some hats flipped for their decision tomorrow. Yeah, there's a de- there's a good possibility of that. And I'll Obviously, all eyes are going to be on Michael Penix, and that's kind of a toss-up right now. It's uh, stay for him. It's stay home and play for the Bulls, play in front of the hometown crowd, or uh, go up and play Big Ten football up in Indiana. Um, so yeah, that's what everybody's going to be focusing on right there. All right, awesome, man. I I think that pretty much wraps this up. After after signing day comes in, we'll probably try to get you guys another podcast. Uh, bowl game is coming up this week too, so we'll definitely recap that as well once we're that's over with. But uh, I think that wraps it up. Uh, Dakota, any final thoughts? Uh, no, that's all for me. All right, well, this has been the Stampede Podcast, everybody. Make sure to check out Dakota's work on southflorida.247sports.com. Follow the Twitter at Bulls247 on Twitter. And uh, make sure to get a membership going with signing day around the corner, all right? Appreciate you guys listening. Thank you.